0: Now, here is your host.
1: What's up, everybody? Jensen Cummings here. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. Exciting day. Today is Best Serve Podcast 275. We're talking Chinese immigrants, American dream with Look Who's Cooking. We'll be bringing in Ching Ren Hu to talk about the Food truck business in denver colorado getting launched here shortly and this is best served new volume two where we really i mean this is you know me this is where most of my passion is is being able to unlock amplify the worth and work of those who feed our communities the people who are committed to this industry and i'm so excited about this so we're going to be diving into this eight-part series and this is episode one of that series And I'm, I'm fired up. It's gonna be really great. We're gonna really focus today on story on mission. And so with no further ado, I'd like to bring Ching in now. Good to see you.
0: Good to see you too, Jensen.
1: Day one. Are you ready? I am ready. Super
0: excited. So thank you.
1: I'm fired up about this. This is going to be a ton of fun. My energy is going to be high throughout this. And When we think of restaurants, when we think of kind of our journey, right, we focus so much on food and beverage, hospitality, the interactions that we create, all of those things, what goes on the plate. And absolutely, mission critical, has to be good, has to be good. (laughs) What we find more and more is people want to know more. They want unfettered access now, especially in the culinary community. They want to feel like they're a part of the story. And so we need to let people in. And so often... We put up a facade in restaurants a lot in food and beverage. It's not inauthentic. It's just, it's our job to always present the very best to make sure that they have the very best experience. And what we found is people want to know about the reality of it, the hustle, the struggle, they want to like feel immersed in it. So restaurants can give them that food and beverage can give them that. So I want to have you just give everyone like the little elevator pitch. Look who's cooking, kind of give them an idea of, of what they can expect, just so we can set the table for people a little bit and then we will unpack everything Thanks. today.
0: Sounds good. Uh, Look who's cooking is a food truck um, centered in the Denver Metro area, bringing Asian fusion comfort food um, to your nearby neighborhood.
1: Hey, that was really good. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Nice, tight, sweet. All right, so, We're gonna be talking, you know, the title of the episode, your family history, I think is fundamentally important. It's in the name, right? Your your name is in in the name of the business itself. And so I wanna unpack that a little bit. So so take us back, tell us a little bit of kind of the family story. I wanna start there. I wanna talk about your professional career a little bit and, and how that informs what you're going to plan to do as a business. And then we'll talk very practically about the business and how you're communicating that message. But let's start people kind of take them back a little bit. You know, when we say Chinese immigrants, American dream, you and I discussed that, what that represents for you, your family. So take us back a little bit.
0: You bet. So both of my parents were born in Shanghai, China. Um, my dad went to the uh, to Taiwan um, in the '40s, late 40s, same as my mom. So they were both born in Shanghai, both raised in Taipei. Um, and then my dad went to Cranbrook for his MFA. Um, and then he went to He apparently went to uh, work in New York for about three months at an architecture firm and absolutely hated office life. So he ended up going into academia um, and taught as a professor at the University of Northern Iowa. My mom was, um, after she graduated high school and stuff, was working um, and then decided to go to get her um, degree at University of Northern Iowa because she was doing an after school Um, conversational English program and her teacher was from Iowa and when she was looking at three schools for scholarships they said well Louisiana at that time in the in the you know in the 60s was probably not the best place for Mm -hmm. a Chinese woman to go on her own I mean she was the first one in her family to come to the states Um, and so they're like well your English teacher's from Iowa so go to Iowa (laughs) Um, and so she hopped a plane to Minneapolis where the teacher's parents actually picked her up and brought her she stayed with them for a few days um, they brought her to school, um, got her set up in the dorm, helped get her kind of set up with lights and, and you know, dishware, that type of thing. Um, back in the 60s, uh, this would have been 1966, 67, kind of in that range, um, University of Northern Iowa had six Chinese professors and three Chinese students. Um, and so mom was feeling a little out of place, I think, at that point in time. Um, as She was kind of walking through campus, you know, saw dad and was like, Holy smokes, another Chinese person. So she was very excited. Um,
1: dad so you, was your your family is is two-thirds of the Chinese student population at UNI during the 60s.
0: Well, my dad was a prof- was teaching.
1: He was teaching. Um, okay. Yeah, he was teaching so already. Nine. Yeah. you were two two-ninths, whatever that actually <laughs> yep, is Exactly. Two-ninths of the Chinese representation at UNI. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there, there's something so compelling about that story. It is so the American story for them to, and I, I think it's great that they both grew up in Shanghai. There was a stop right for both of them in Taiwan, and then yep. they met They met in Iowa. And yeah. so, so this is going to be a theme that comes up. And so I want to just stay there for just a little bit longer, because the way that you think about your Chinese heritage and the way that you think about kind of being immersed in American culture is very much informed by your family history. And so people are gonna see this theme again and again, and again, where you're finding your place, where you're finding what is the synergy, what is the fusion, where and how does your story, your family story and the current environment of food, all of those things intersect. So for you, when you think about that, like take take us back a little bit, were you born in Iowa?
0: I was born, Um, all my my all my siblings and I were all born in Iowa, um, in Iowa city. So in same hospital, I- everything.
1: In Iowa city, which, I know, I know well. Uh, anybody who knows my family history, my uncles made their their bones in Ames, Iowa. That's where I first started my my career. My wife Betsy, she's a, she's a Cyclone through and through. Her brother went to Iowa City, so very much connected. Had no idea <laughs> we started talking. Like, wait a minute, we know all we know all the same places. Uh, I love hearing <laughs> that. So, food culture, growing up in Iowa, it is known for being able to grow food exceptionally well not for having a culinary scene of any type until recent history. What was it like growing up for you? Chinese culture, trying to adopt American culture, access to ingredients, all these different things. Uh, Unpack that a little bit for us.
0: Um, You know, my my mom was, when I was talking with my mom, kind of backstory and and everything too, mom was talking about, you know, when they first moved to Iowa City from Cedar Falls, um, there weren't any Asian markets at that point in time. And so all the Chinese families would get together and order their food from, you know, New York or whatever and kind of share in that shipping cost, which I had absolutely no idea. So I was completely blown away. And of course, my dad, being an artist, wanted tofu. And so he created a box actually to make his own homemade tofu, Here we um, go. which, you know, it's it's that's my dad right there in a nutshell. Like if if he can figure out a way to do what he wants, he will. <laughs> Very much a creator um, and innovator.
1: OK, so we're going to know where you get that from right that yeah. seems like it's going to be very much another theme that comes up again and again as your father and that just do it your way no matter what it takes hell or high water type type mentality very stubborn. <laughs> uh, oh yeah that's i mean welcome to the restaurant industry you're perfect mm-hmm. for exactly what it takes to have any any opportunity to to thrive or even survive in this industry so i can appreciate that quite a bit so when did a a love for food? Is there a dish? Is there a, is there a family get together? Is it the cookout with all the Chinese families? Like, what was that like for you? There's some food memories you have early on.
0: Um, I remember, you know, dad being a professor would have at the end of the semester have, you know, the celebration of all his students that were graduating or just finished their you know, year end project type of thing. And so they would host Mongolian barbecues on the backyard. So I remember mom would be prepping all day with cutting down all the vegetables, marinating the meats, that type of thing. And they had um, a charcoal grill that he had some sort of like makeshift, half of like half of a massive sheet pan, essentially. So like it had rims on three sides of it and the front side didn't have a rim so that he could scoop the food off once it was cooked. But people would go through with their paper plates, take all the ingredients that they wanted. And then dad would custom cook each each plate um, for the students. So that was a lot of fun.
1: I like, I like everything I'm hearing the ingenuity of it too. Like, I don't know how to cook this. so I'm just going to make something. I, I appreciate (laughs) that as well. Okay. I like this. This sets a tone and understanding. Now let's move forward a little bit, your career. When did it become a career for you? When did you get into the, what I say is, when did you catch the hospitality bug? When did you get into this industry?
0: You bet. Um, so, Getting into food for me was probably that first step, Um, you know, growing up, both of my parents cooked, so I never needed to really learn how to cook. Um, You know, when we would go out to eat, we would go to like an Italian restaurant or a steakhouse, but other than that, like, or pizza, because pizza, Um, but otherwise my parents would always kind of um, cook dinner, um, both equally very talented. When my dad got sick back in 99 and 2000 um, and he got put on dialysis. That's when, you know, I was going to college in Iowa, so I could help mom relieve some of that stress and help, pre, you know, cook one or two meals in a week or every other week, just kind of to relieve that burden off of her because she was dad's full-time um, caretaker for the next 15 years, basically. Um, so, you know, that was when I moved out to Colorado was to start my culinary journey. Um, I was a server in a restaurant while I was working a full-time job um, as well, just to try to get, learn the ins and outs, um, but felt like I was hitting a a wall in being able to get a job to be in the kitchen because I didn't have any experience, so to speak. And, you know, I was late 20s, early 30s at that point in time. So I decided to get into the industry and need to go to culinary school. Um, So that's what prompted my move out to Denver.
1: Gotcha. Okay. So so, so, this path is making sense. This path, a lot of people have this path. It, It feels very familiar to me. So for you then thinking about turning this into your own business. Is this the first time this idea has come about? I'm guessing not. How did you kind of think about starting your own business? It seems like it's been in you since the get. So, okay. this is probably not the first iteration. Give us an idea of all the things you've scribbled down on a napkin. You
0: bet. So, I mean, when I came out here the goal was go to culinary school, year and a half left, go back to Iowa and open up a brick and mortar.
1: Um back to Iowa.
0: Mhm, cuz that's where that's where my family is, you know, yeah. and so um kind of thought of this as a little thought thought of Denver as a kind of a a jumping stone um just to kind of get the experience that I needed and and then go back um 10 years later I'm still here (laughs) so that obviously didn't didn't work quite that way um but I got a position to help um start up a women's bar and lounge and help create the menu and that type of thing while I was in culinary school which was a huge opportunity um at that point in time because I was like wait, what do you mean you want me to be kitchen manager? They're like, create the menu and cook the food. And I was like, that's what I came out here for. <laughs> so um, got that break that I kind of needed. Um, you know, I've always wanted to have my own place, yeah. but just trying to figure out how to make that happen, um, you know, was kind of the, the hard part, I think, to try to figure that part out.
1: The, the hardest part, for sure okay i got it it's it's ingrained in here you and i are going to freestyle a little bit and move through kind of your mission the story that you're trying to tell you know i think the story that we tell ourselves we know pretty well and we have that history and sometimes we forget that we haven't shared all of our history with everybody we interact with yet it so compels all the work that we do again people want to be a part of that so we want to find ways that you can tell a meaningful and personal story which clearly you have And have that be kind of a foundation of your brand. And so what we start with is called, you know, get clear on why you exist. Very existential. Big, big question. Why do you exist? Because if you're going to do this, if you're going to be in this crazy fucking industry, you know, everybody knows. (laughs) You have to, it has to be in you. It has to be why you exist. It has to be, I exist to fill in your personal journey story here so get clear on why you exist is really important when we started talking about this idea of kind of why you exist clearly family is a part of that that's why i want to start with your family history clearly navigating how you're going to fit in right because fitting in has been something that has been a topic a struggle an opportunity for your family for yourself as as you know multiple generations have navigated you know your Chinese heritage and your the American culture. So with that, we kind of went through and asked some questions, you know, and I wanna just give everyone an idea. The questions are like, why do you do this work? Who is it that inspires you? When the shit hits the fan, and it always does, what is it, who is it that's gonna motivate you, right? What really emotionally moves you to do the work that you're doing? What are people gonna say? How are going people gonna react to what you're offering to them. These are fundamental questions. And then kind of, we kind of distill that down and find some of the keywords, some of the threads, some of the things to pull at that are significantly compelling and motivating to you because otherwise it's just a job and we don't like jobs. We are such the, that band of rebels, like jobs are for somebody else. I'm gonna follow my passion, which we prey on our own passion sometimes and make stupid decisions right? It's our dream and it's our baby and, you know, all of that. That's what I want to kind of get into. So for you, let's get into kind of the practical steps of this, right? I know you have the backstory of what really motivates you, but moving forward, what is it going to be that motivates you? What's the the big goal? What's the big thinking? What are you hoping to have with Look Who's Cooking?
0: Um, You know, I want to bring food to the people and accessible food, you know, having... Friends that have different dietary needs and that type of thing too. I don't want somebody settling for, oh well, I guess I'll get a salad because that's the only thing that hits my dietary requirements. But take these mm-hmm. four items off, you know, and still paying the same price, you know. So having, you know, some vegan options and that type of thing, you know, we are looking at probably making the the truck inherently gluten free, um, sure. but still kind of playing through a couple of items. Gluten free bread is just that like hard thing right now to to figure out a good price point that that makes it, um, yeah. but but brings that quality of product that I want to have on the truck too.
1: Yeah. So gluten-free, this is, this is interesting for a couple of reasons. One gluten-free is not inherently Chinese, right? So Mm -hmm. you're, you're pushing, you're swimming upstream a little bit in that sense yet also it's been a pretty big movement. You know, somebody that we're well connected with Yumi Tran at Indochine Cuisine. That's one of, one of her big, Points of emphasis is really being able to bring this cuisine to people in a dietary position to take care mm-hmm. of people's tummies. I think she said so. I really, I really like that a little bit. Uh, the food truck. Why? Why a food truck? Why not? You know, you know, event venues. You know, catering. You know, restaurants. Why a food truck? Why was that the vehicle? Literally, the vehicle. Why <laughs> was that the vehicle for this business?
0: Um. You know, when I watched the movie Chef after my dad passed away, that was like, that kind of planted that seed five years ago. Um, yeah, and cool. so it was one thing that we always talked about, like, but every time you look at a food truck, like it's always like, holy crap, it's so expensive. Like you need to get a truck that isn't gonna break down plus yeah. all the equipment, all that stuff. Um, during the pandemic, um, I had an opportunity kind of presented to me when I kind of said to the universe, all right, you know what? Events are really hard right now. It's it's hard to get the rejections and the cancellations and all that stuff and and catering for people celebrating. And I said, OK, I need something to make me ha- like I, I need to figure out what it's going to take to make me happy. And literally the next day, somebody had posted they had their food truck for sale. And I was like, wait a minute.
1: <laughs> yes, you you were listening, mm-hmm. right? Like you were listening, paying attention. I, I think what you said, what's going to make me happy? And this for me, this is another pillar, absolute pillar sense of belonging is at the center of everything that we do. And if it's not, if it is not, we are vulnerable. And it's one of the ways that restaurants get themselves into trouble because we forget, right, we are built different. There's something so compelling, so motivating. And you're going to hear those words from me a lot, compelling and motivating for us being in the fire, being a part of that team dynamic, Mm -hmm. struggling, you know, If we don't bleed out of our eyeballs, we don't respect it. It's not always healthy, not always healthy. Yet it is very much that sense of belonging. When you find a restaurant, you feel more like yourself than you do without that restaurant. Mm -hmm. There is something about that. And so the struggles that restaurants have had of recent is because we kind of forget about that sometimes. It's easy to get caught up in the minutia of what you do and how you do it. But why you get out of bed in the morning, who it is you serve, who you are as a team, these are things that are fundamental. Sense of belonging is gonna come up again and again. And for you, it's like, what is that thing that's gonna make me happy? And you went straight to food memories. And that's what I want to share with people because I think that's gonna be important. Mm-hmm. So that, that sense of belonging, that happy, let's let's go deeper into that for you. You mentioned also for you, you know, your father passing away, this movie Chef, like you're you're looking, you're searching for something. And you just you were open, which a lot of people close themselves off. So I'm, I'm grateful to hear that. And you see a movie, you see a post and you say, fuck it, I'm in. This is what I've been looking for. Like, What was yeah. that moment, that catalyst for you? Had you uh, been searching for it and it just found you?
0: You know, I think it's you know, I, I definitely believe in all that woo woo stuff and the stars aligning it and whatnot, you know, when you open yourself up to those opportunities, okay. you know, that's going to present itself. And if it's meant to be, it's going to happen. Um, you know, very fair asking price. And, and, and they worked with me on final pricing and that, and that kind of thing. Fully loaded truck that I got for um, a steal of a deal. You know, I took one of my friends who owns another food truck with me the first time I we went to go look at it. Cause I, I was like, I don't even know what I'm looking at. Like, I don't know what to look for. I don't know if it's a good deal or not. And he went with me and he's like, he's like, this is the one. He's like, if, you're, he's like, if you don't buy it, I'm gonna buy it. <laughs> So, um, but
1: when you when you climbed into that, did it? Let's let's go with Chef, right? It was a raggedy ass truck in that movie, Mm -hmm. and yet still you could see that glint in his eyes where it's like this. There's something there. Did you feel that when you walked in? You're like, this is home. This is where I'm going to create my path. This is where I'm going to feed my community, where I'm going to build a business, all of that. Did you feel that sense of belonging the moment you stepped in it?
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, Thankfully, he took very good care of the truck, so it wasn't climbing into something that had stuff molding in, in the coolers and, and whatnot. Um, but he did, you know, you could tell that that truck was his baby, um, and he took great care of it the the couple of years that he ran it. So,
1: Yeah, I like that. Get in there. Just there's like, there's energy it's palpable when you get into a kitchen you feel it like it's, ah, you feel it feels it. like home. <laughs> it, it does it really feels it really feels like home now there'll be other times when we talk about how you need to have a work life balance and we are so bad at that in restaurants so bad because it does feel like home because there is that sense of belonging and we like we yearn for that you know mm-hmm. cuz a lot of we didn't quite fit in you know we didn't always quite fit in it was like when you find restaurants it's like this is where I'm supposed to be. And so you yearn for that. And so there's a little struggle with that balance because we're going to talk about the two week vacation. You're going to have to take a two week vacation and not have to worry about your business once that is the measure of success that we're hoping for. So, all right, these uh, last 10 minutes or so, I want to wrap, I want to go back and forth a little bit. Mission story. This is the evolution of the mission statement for us, the mission story, right? And we had you kind of List out some keywords, with I love. You, you stuck with all Cs, C words. <laughs> I appreciate the alliterations that you focused on with comfort, community, compassion, and you kind of built this. And so you great start, right? This is very personal to you. Look who's cooking delivers comfort to communities by cooking up compassion. So really good start. A lot of times I don't even have this to work with. So I really appreciate this now. This is important because you said things that are in you, your personality needs to come out of this now. This is gonna be one of our big focus points throughout all of this is if I can copy and paste another brand's name in there, JoJo's Chicken Shack cooks, delivers comfort to communities by cooking up compassion, then it can be somebody else's story. And we want this to only be your story. Somebody else could do that. And we wanna really think about that. So delivers comfort what does that mean to you when you think about delivers comfort why is delivering comfort quintessential for you what does that represent
0: i think that's that cozy comfort sense of belonging um that it's it's a safe space for people to come get food i think is is kind of like one way that i like to think about it so you know when when i used to have potlucks and stuff with friends i had one friend that was vegan and she'd always had to bring her own stuff because like. Other people didn't really navigate around that. So like my goal was when we had those parties, I was always creating something that was vegan, but accessible to everybody as well. So people would be like, hey, I want to try that, you know?
1: Yes, that. Okay. We're going to pull at that. You are personalizing that. Comfort for you is not an abstract notion of "Mm, comfort food. It makes me feel a certain way. You are individualizing it. I want to go there. I want you to think about... The person, the people that you say that person now, every time they have my food feels like they have a sense of belonging, like they're a part of our community because they don't have to bring their own food because they don't have to feel other because they are included in the in the party. Right. And that's what we're mm-hmm. trying to do. So delivers comfort. We're going to pull at that that's where your mission starts. You are delivering comfort. Yet you are doing that on an individual basis. So I want you to think about that. And just for everybody tuning in, you know, I want you to hold us accountable and Ching accountable through this process. So we're going to work through this, we're going to think, we're going to pull at these different threads. And then next week, the first thing we're going to do is say, pop up that mission story and say, where are we at now? And keep evolving that because this is an evolving process. We're not going to, you know, hit it out of the park on the first try. It's going to evolve. And as you get more comfortable, in your business, you get more challenged in your business, you get more history behind your business, you get to interact with more people, always coming back to that. That is absolutely okay. As long as the sentiment stays grounded, who you are, doesn't shift, the words shift so that the message gets out there with more clarity. So I appreciate that. So okay, delivers comfort, personal, there's a human on the other side of that equation. So even for you, I think terms like delivering you a personal something, like there's something personal about it. Look who's cooking is delivering you the experience to have you feel like you're a part of our community. That night needs to be the sentiment there. So to communities by cooking up compassion. When you think of community, let's go there a little bit. How do you define that? Community is such a big word. We use it all the time. It's a catch all term. It can mean nothing or it can mean everything. So community. <laughs> What does that mean to you?
0: Community for me are, it's the people that I surround myself with. Um, so on any given day, it could be a slightly different community, but it's kind of that home base, um, you know, in, in conceptualizing what the business name was even going to be called. You know, I've got the Little Bird's Nest LLC trying to figure out how, if we're going to be like the Little bit Bird's Food Truck. And we're like, mm, that doesn't quite work. And like playing through the different name reiterations. And then um, a friend came to visit with her husband and he's like, what are you going to call a food truck? Look who's cooking. And we're like,
1: Yes, yes,
0: (laughs) yes, that's it. And it stuck. Um, And so for me, it's knowing where I'm setting up for that week, that night, whatever that might be um, and what the demographics of not fully change the meal but is it gonna be a demographic say I go up to Boulder, I'm gonna need to have a little bit more vegetarian vegan options on the menu versus I'm in downtown Denver or out in Lakewood, what what does that look like? Um, You know, we've talked about having a pay it forward mentality, um, where at the end of the week, utilizing those ingredients that aren't utilized before they go bad, to be able to help create meals for underserved populations um, or those that are needing food. But also, you know, we've I recently started playing around with the the uh, like wooden nickel. So if somebody wants to buy a meal for somebody, they can give that nickel to someone. They're coming up and redeeming it, so there's still a sense. Of they're purchasing it or they're buying it, so they're not any lesser of taking a handout, if you will, yep. um, but making them feel human. Because I feel like, especially with the pandemic and everything, um, people have hit on hard times, and you shouldn't feel like any lesser of a person because you might not be able to pay for a full meal. You should still be able to get nourished.
1: Yeah. yeah. So there's 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 an undercurrent that's that's happening here for you. Inclusion mm-hmm. is absolutely at the at the, the epicenter of what you're trying to create here, that needs to be the depth of expression that you need to have in that needs to be so personal. And I think you're already thinking about it correctly. You're thinking about any community that you go into, you're gonna take the time and put in the work to think about them and how you can deliver for them, Mm -hmm. not how you can get them to buy what you're selling. And that, relationship is going to be very very important for you which is great because episode two we get into customer archetypes and really understanding the why why they what problem are you solving for them you're a problem solver so let's let's go at the problem a little bit and your food is just the proof that you are delivering on your promise to create a sense of inclusion that sense of belonging so let's like communities let's really think about that that's where it is it's it's humans feeling like they get to be a part of something that they usually don't. Mm -hmm. That's, that's what it is, you know, and you're just doing it through simple, delicious food yet. You know, there's this, there's this interesting battle at play where it's like, Oh, it's just food. Like don't overthink it. You're right. It is just food. It just goes here and it's delicious. And that should be matter of fact. Yet. I also believe that if you change one day, you change a life. Like one day of somebody just feeling like everything is wrong with the world and they have a dish from you. And in that moment, everything is right with the world can change somebody's trajectory. So, yeah, food can change the world. Absolutely. One person at a time. Absolutely. So believe that cooking up compassion. I kind of feel like that was threaded in. But is there something more when you think about cooking up compassion?
0: Um, you know, just thinking about those around you um in the experience you know the collective experience for everybody because i think that you know going to different events with food trucks and that type of thing seeing lines at specific trucks and not other trucks and trying to figure out how we can all work together where you're not where you can work together um to create the experience for the end user um and making sure that you know if i do choose to go to an event that has multiple trucks making sure that there's not a lot of overlap in dishes, ingredients. I mean, I don't know how many things I've gone to that has like three trucks that have some variation of a nacho on it. And I'm like, well, like that's not fair to any of the trucks at that point in time on on who you choose and what makes you choose where you end up spending your money at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, there's just a lot. There's a lot of being more like everyone else than anyone else type scenario (laughs) where it's like, yeah, the nachos and the this and the that and the mac and cheese sell really well, but are they truly look, I bet you like them. Yeah, you like them. Do they serve your mission? Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't there? Would you still be okay? Do you have the emotional reaction to it? Or is it just a vehicle for sales? And if it's just a vehicle for sales, you'll have short term success. And then you'll say I can't take that off the many people buy it. They buy it because they don't know us to buy because you're not giving them a compelling reason you're not motivating them to buy anything else. Yeah, You're just showing them a thing that's safe. Mm-hmm. And safe it means you're vulnerable to somebody else who's better or has more money, which is most everybody when you're starting out new. So yep. don't be vulnerable to that. Absolutely. So it's something there. The compassion is interesting because it's one, it's it's very heartfelt for you. It's also like, let's be a little bit tactical. right? One of the other things, one of the questions in why you exist that, that kind of we're asking you is, What separates you from the rest? And I make it very broad, like not what separates your food, what separates this, but what separates you from the rest It's the way that you think clearly Ching is what separates you from the rest. So that needs to come out. Look who's cooking. The other thing that I want to do is like I love how everything comes from here. Right. And there's the depth to it. I love that. And even in your name, you're already it's already a pun. Like you're already playing on this word. So I want to see some more some more personality in there as well. And I think people will as well so that, you know, it doesn't have to be so heavy. It can mm-hmm. be inspired. Absolutely. Yet it can also be playful and whimsical and feel lighthearted and feel like, come on in. It's your party too. So that's what I really want to focus on. Does that resonate? Do you feel like there we can we can get there? Is I think cool? so. Yeah. I, I like this a lot. I think you have something really good there. The, the different elements delivers comfort communities cooking up compassion. You have the sentiment there. Now let's pull at the personality, the the individualism that you're trying to create for yourself for those communities because then when you, when you or anybody says this, it speaks directly to them and only to them and only from you. Nobody else can co-opt that and also have your nachos because the nachos aren't what you're selling. You're selling <laughs> comfort, compassion and community. That's different and I like mm-hmm. that. Okay, this is good. Feel good. That was a good I first session, right? Good. It's very informal today. To so next week, we will get into checking a bunch of boxes and and bunch of numbers. And there's some like practical, boring demographics, gobbledygook. But I think it's important because we need to balance heart and head, heart and head, back mm-hmm. and forth. And as seamless as we make that process, the better it is for us. So it'll be very much backstory. And now we're like, all right. Where does this place, person work and how much money they make and all these practical things? And then we go, great. Now, don't put them into boxes. Now I need you to tell a compelling story and get really into their heart and head. So we'll dig into that next week. All right, that is it for this week, everybody. Uh, appreciate everybody for tuning in. Thanks to Ching. Thanks to Jordan Bush and Chris Young and Seven Shifts for underwriting this whole series. Uh, really excited to have them be a part of what we're trying to accomplish here, where this is not about selling anything this is about unlocking and amplifying the worth and work of people who feed their community Jay, you are feeding your community and you're redefining the way that we think about community this industry that matters and that's what we really want to support so again investor podcast 275 chinese immigrants to american dream and you are living that dream as scary as it is with a new business during a pandemic all of that yeah i can tell your game it's this is gonna be a fun series so thank you so much to thank everybody you. for tuning in Cheng. we're gonna have some fun next week that's it for today everybody cheers thanks for listening to the best served podcast subscribe to our show and connect
0: with us on social media at best served podcast tune in next week to discover more unsung hospitality heroes